podcast from Redeemer Christian Church in Amarillo, Texas. We hope you enjoy this sermon. For more information about Redeemer, please visit our website at RedeemerChristianChurch.com. So excited to be here with you to look at God's Word. Habakkuk 2 verse 14 says this, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is God's word. Let's pray. God, we've prayed a lot this morning, but we want to continue to pray because you listen to us because of the access we have through Christ. So we thank you, our eternal God, for your eternal word, that we don't have to go looking for another revelation outside of your word. God, we submit ourselves to you now and to your word. Thank you for these people. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. First of all, I want to thank Pastor David Ritchie and the leadership here at Redeemer. I've said it many times already, but there's nothing special about this pulpit. It's made of wood and other things, uh, but there is something very special that comes from it, Uh, and we need to guard that as churches, not just let anyone come up here and preach, but people that we trust and that we love to proclaim the Word of God. So thank you, David, and the leadership for this opportunity. And it seems as though things are at such an They're just in an unrest at the moment. There's a tension in the air that is palpable and it cannot be escaped. Anywhere you go, if you spend time on social media or you're watching the news, you get an overwhelming view of perspective from one party and not the other, or maybe vice versa. Since the middle of March, which seems like years ago, we've been stuck in between what we think we know and what others say is right. So my question is this morning, where do we turn? To what do we anchor ourselves to? What awaits us around the proverbial corner? As we look at our text in Habakkuk 2.14, it's it's sandwiched in the middle uh, of chapter 2 as the prophet of God. He looks into the future and is hopeful. And this is after him complaining to the Lord about all the evil that he sees And then he reminds us to be silent before the Lord. Somewhere in between 640 and 609 BC, we get to see this conversation that takes place between the prophet Habakkuk and God himself. It's kind of a a strange book in the the minor prophets. And we see this this rhythm that gets set uh, in Habakkuk, that Habakkuk complains to the Lord and the Lord answers him. Habakkuk complains again and laments before the Lord, and God patiently responds to Habakkuk and reminds him that he is doing things that he would not believe if he were told. We see that in chapter 1, verse 5. So let's stop there for just a moment and be reminded that our God is sovereign and he has a sovereign plan. You don't have to turn here, but in Psalm 46.10, we're reminded to be still. Some of us might have it on a coffee cup or on a planner that we see often, but this commandment to be still is to stop and look at what all God has done, 
to stop and be in awe of our awesome God, of what he can do and that his plan is sovereign. And it's all playing out with our, without our consent. So maybe we just need to take a moment this morning and to be reminded and put in our place about who we serve. The God of heaven and earth, creator of all things good, he is not some genie that we summon or someone that, that comes to adjust the temperature when we, get, when we get uncomfortable. He is God and we are not. He is eternal and we are but a vapor on the earth. We are here for just a small amount of time. So this verse, if you read the whole of chapter 2, which I I would recommend you do, it it seems out of place in chapter 2. It it, it just, at first glance, if you you read all of chapter 2, it's just, why is this verse here? What what is it saying? And it's, it's this it's this promise to us that even though uh, God is going to use the Chaldeans uh, to punish the evil in Judah, that we can stop and be reminded that God will do what he has set out to do. And this for us echoes in Isaiah fifty-five eleven that God says that whatever I say will not return to me, void pointing us to the coming of Christ, who is the very word of God. See, church, you need to know this morning that God does not waste anything. He will, by any means necessary, use all things to accomplish His eternal purposes. And in those purposes, we can trust that He is good and He is working all things for our good and primarily for His own glory. So I want to define a few things for you this morning. don't want to look to Webster's Dictionary, but I want to look to what the Bible says about this phrase. And as we look at verse 14, there's a phrase that sticks out that will help us move forward. This phrase is the glory of the Lord. So I want to define this biblically. In Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah is mourning the death of the king, God reveals himself to Isaiah the prophet, and the seraphim, these angelic creatures are flying above, and they're crying out to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full of his glory. And they're repeating themselves to remind us that God is not just holy, that he is holy, holier, holiest. There is no one holy above our God. And their phrasing here. It is not them saying that the whole earth is full of his truth or of his holiness or of his wrath or his justice, but the whole earth is full of his glory. In Psalm 19, verses 1 through 2, there's a telling that is taking place that the Psalter tells us. There is a declaring. There is a pouring forth of speech that is happening here. And oh, how I love in the evenings here in the Texas Panhandle, especially in the summer, to watch the sunset and it looks like the sky is on fire. The sky is telling us that there is a creator and he is good and he is king. So here's our definition. If you, if you are a note taker, here's the definition of the glory of the Lord. It is God's glory, his holiness, his perfection on display. 
It is his infinite beauty and worth seen by creation. Our friend John Piper likes to say, it is his holiness gone public so that we can see. The question is posed to us by the divines of Westminster. The question is this, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. The very purpose that God gave his people is to bring him glory. In whatever we do, we are to glorify God. As Paul reminds us, that is our very purpose. So I want to take you for just a few minutes through the narrative of Scripture and see how it's speaking to this verse in Habakkuk 2. So if, if God's eternal plan is for his glory, how do we see the knowledge of the glory of the Lord cover the earth? From the very beginning, we see that God made a good world. He says it's good, so it's good. But man breaks it, we break it by our disobedience to his word. We give in to the temptation to sin. So this sets in motion for us God's plan that he had already put into place to redeem and rescue a people for himself, by himself, for his glory. In Genesis 15, we see that God makes an agreement or a covenant with Abraham that he will be the father to many nations. Through his offspring, God would make a people for his very specific purpose. In Exodus chapter 3, we see that God calls Moses, whom he would use to deliver his people from Pharaoh's house of slavery and thus enter into an agreement with them and give them the law on Mount Sinai. It is a very good thing for us to have God's law. The people of Israel cry out for judges and for kings like the other nations. In the books of history, we see time and time again as they are led into captivity as their hope is misplaced. And God sends prophets that the people kill and malign and ignore time after time. There's this constant tension that we see in the Old Testament, a longing. There's a pointing forward to a coming Messiah that was coming to restore what was broken and then silence. And it's almost like we get this breath a fresh air, and we get to exhale in the gospel narratives in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John when God himself wrapped in flesh is among us. He moves into our neighborhood. He is Emmanuel, God with us. The Messiah is here at last. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. That the Father sends the Son to live the very life that you and I could never live and perfection before the Father. That he dies the death that you and I deserve to die. That he defeats death after three days and by the power of the Spirit is raised in resurrection glory and ascends to the right hand of the Father. But before his ascension, Jesus says these things in Matthew 28 and in Luke 24. In Matthew 28, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In Luke 24, he says, you are my witnesses. I'm sending you out. 
The disciples are sent out to make disciples. But the question is, how? How are these men who, some of them afraid, some of them doubting, how are they sent out? They are empowered by the Spirit to go and plant and establish churches. That is what you, as Redeemer Christian Church, get to be a part of, being a part of the Redeemer Network, that we are sending out church planters to plant churches, that we are being obedient to the words of Christ to go and make disciples by planting churches and establishing leadership in those cities to reach lost cities and push back darkness. Isn't it crazy? Isn't it just astounding at the fact that the very words of Christ to those men, that was the birth of Redeemer Christian Church in Amarillo. That was the birth of Redeemer Borger, Redeemer Pampa, Redeemer Round. All these churches that have been planted were birthed in those very words at that very moment. And as we look at Habakkuk, it is pointing us to a day when Jesus will make all things right. Paul reminds us in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, that every knee will bow and everyone know, they will know that Christ is the King. Church, I want to tell you this, and I grew up in the church, and I used to think these things. The coming of Christ the King, His second advent, will not be a secret thing. Everyone will know that he is king and that he is here for his church. It's a very good thing. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to read 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20. You can follow along on the screen as well. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, We are ambassadors for Christ. God, making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That is our job description as the church because we know these things. Now we do these things out of a life of thankfulness and submission to Christ the King because he reconciled us to God, now we can live our lives as reconcilers to our community. That's a beautiful thing. And here is the song that the church sings in Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 through 7. It says this, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. That is the song we will sing on that day. 
Look forward to that. In 1 Peter, I know that y'all just finished up uh, a series in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10 might be a familiar couple of verses to you, but I want to read these to you and remind you. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Maybe that's all you need to hear this morning is to be reminded that once we were not his people and he made us his people. That is an incredible thing to think about. That God did not owe us anything, but he gave us reconciliation in Christ. You see, church, you need to know God is making a people, not a place. God is making a body, not a building. This building will not last forever, but God is making for himself a people. So the question is, what are we to do? Number one is to trust the sovereign God whose plan is sovereign that is for his own glory. I love what Billy Graham says. He says, I've read, I've read the last page of the Bible. Turns out everything's going to be okay. And when we doubt, God, have you really called me to this? Have you really called me unto yourself? That we can say with Burke Parsons that when Abraham counted the stars, he was counting you too. That's incredible to think about. So number one is to trust the sovereign God whose plan is sovereign and for his own glory. The second thing is this, to give yourself to discipleship. My first question is, are you being discipled? Is there someone who can come and, and call you out on your sin and correct you and help lead you to repentance or to help form you in the word of God. That is why your pastors are here, according to Ephesians chapter 4. That is their purpose, to help you. Are you being discipled? The second is, who are you discipling? And for, for those of you that are parents and have children in your home still, are you missing opportunities to disciple your children? My dad, who was a longtime pastor, used to often say, the greatest mission field we have as parents is right down the hall. Do not miss that opportunity to disciple kids or coworkers or family members or spouses. The third thing is this, to give our lives to the service of God in our local body. This is not just a familiar place that we visit on Sunday mornings, but it is a family that we give our lives to. Can I ask you, church, what if one day they, they, they being the powers that be, say that we can't meet in here anymore? We saw glimpses of that. Will the body outlast that is my question. Give yourselves to the local body. In Acts chapter 17, 
It says, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Get this, God has placed you strategically where he has placed you for his glory. You might have picked the neighborhood that was, you thought was perfect for you, the house, all those things. That was all in God's plan for you to be there to reach that community. So what is God's plan for God's glory? It is this. It is to make dead people live. It is to make sinners into saints. It is to make enemies into friends, children of wrath into adopted sons and daughters, to fill them with his spirit, to gift them for the work of ministry, to form them into families that populate the earth or as the waters cover the sea. The plan God has for God's glory sits in this auditorium this morning. So Redeemer Christian Church, my question is, how does this happen in Amarillo, Texas, and in the surrounding areas? It is by declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ with our words and displaying the gospel of Jesus Christ with our lives to our neighbors and to the nations. Does that sound familiar? That is the reason you exist to not only display it, but to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want to close with these three opportunities for you this morning. Number one is to be reconciled to Christ. If this is your first time here this morning, or maybe you've been coming and you've been visiting and there's some curiosity in you, I implore you, Be reconciled to Christ this morning. If his spirit is drawing you, do not leave this place without speaking to a pastor or a staff member. We want to pray with you. We want to encourage you. We want to start you on on the road of discipleship. So please do not leave here without being reconciled to Christ. The second thing is this, is to remember us in prayer, us being Redeemer Borger and the future churches being planted. I'll tell you this, Borger is about 45 miles north of Amarillo. There are about 13,000 people in Borger and about 50 evangelical churches in Borger. So the question is, why another church? We've, we've done the numbers, we've, we've looked at the statistics, and there are about 1,500 people being reached by an evangelical church on any given Sunday morning in border. That is a wide gap. That is opportunities for more churches to be planted in border. Pray for us. We need your prayers. The last thing is this. It is to move from beyond just being familiar here to being family. There is an opportunity after this service to see what the next steps are to become family. Don't don't let this just be a place where you come and punch a ticket for Sunday morning. It It is more than just Sunday morning. Are there good things that happen here? Absolutely. The proclaiming of the word of God, worshiping with the saints. But let's move beyond just being familiar here and move to being family. That is God's plan 
for God's glory for his church. Do not miss that this morning. Let's pray. Our great and glorious God, there is no one like you. There is no one who can do what you do. Whom have I in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. My heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And though the mountains fall into the sea and everything is falling apart around me, God, you are my strength. God, would you encourage your people this morning? Would you remind them that you have called them out of darkness into light? That we disqualified ourselves, but you qualified us in Christ. There is no better news than to hear the news that Jesus came and lived the life I could not live, died the death that I deserved to die, and defeated death after three days and now sits at the right hand of the Father. We thank you for that. Would you grant repentance this morning for all of us who are in sin? God, we love you. We thank you for your word. I ask that you would remind this body to pray for the churches that are being planted outside of this area. We want to see you glorified, Christ Jesus, in the panhandle, in Texas, in the United States, and in the nations. God, we love you so very much. I thank you, my Lord, for these people in this room. That is your very plan for Amarillo, Texas, for your glory. Again, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Redeemer Christian Church in Amarillo, Texas. For more information about Redeemer, please visit our website at RedeemerChristianChurch.com.